and welcome back to the Yoga Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. Thanks so much for being here, everyone. If you're new to the show, this is a show all about self-care, self-discovery. Yoga was really that first experience for me of what it felt like to prioritize self-care, self-inquiry. And today, I just really love to bring lots of ideas your way so that you can do the same. Today's guest, Tracy Stanley, was so inspiring, and I'm I often say, you know, on the show, it's so divinely timed. Today, we talk about intentional rest, much needed rest. And we talk about it in a real life kind of way, like a householder kind of way. That's how Tracy explains it. It's about remembering oneself throughout the little moments in the day, you know, taking a literal one to two minute pause and remembering. And where I really noticed, I personally was struggling with this, you know, more recently was in the car. I have a little bit of a commute again, and I really enjoy like listening to podcasts and books. But what I was noticing is that I needed to be doing something at all times. Like I couldn't just drive and reflect on the day or be silent or even like, I just didn't want to grab that phone. And I, I was noticing that focus was really hard. And so I'm really excited to implement some of these short practices that Tracy mentions today to just calm the nervous system a bit. In this episode, we talk about Yoga Nidra, Tracy's commitment to intentional rest. We talk about tools for self-inquiry. We talk about yoga as a lifestyle, and we even get into some dream rituals and how to use them. It's really fun. Tracy is the author of The Luminous Self, Sacred Yogic Practices and Rituals to Remember Who You Are, and also the book Radiant Rest. I highly recommend checking out her books, her information all in the show notes. She was really a fun interview, and I hope you enjoy this as well. Before we hop in, friends, a little astro update. On September 24th, Mars is opposing Chiron. And this is an interesting transit. I've been thinking a lot about like what this means. Let's talk about the players at hand here. Mars is the planet of fire, of action, of motivation, but also conflict. And when it's in opposition to Chiron, the wounded healer, there is a little bit of friction. And because Mars is in the sign of Libra, the sign of harmony, the sign of balance, where it doesn't necessarily feel super comfortable, we are in just a little bit of questioning moment. And it's around the area, in my opinion, around the area of, you know, is there a conflict to be had in order to get to some peace? Chiron is about healing. Chiron is about getting to a place of healing. Libra is about balance. And Mars is about, you know, kind of fighting, getting through the thick of it. And where I think this can be really fun for some self-inquiry work is to ask, you know, is there some conflict that does need to happen in order to move into peace? Is it the opposite? Is conflict not worth it? Can you protect your peace? Is it worth a fight? And you know what? It very well may be as a part of this healing journey, right? It really might be worth it to get in there and to resolve something, to take on that Mars energy and move through. So it's not super disruptive or anything like that. Just a little bit of questioning. You know, you might feel this on a more individual level, especially if you have strong Mars placements, um, strong Libra as well. And again, just on the 24th or as you're kind of leading up to it, start to question a little as you're working through this self-healing journey, as you're working through really any healing journey, where does there need to be a little bit of an extra fight and where do you maybe need to back off and just protect your peace? 
All right, let's get to this conversation with Yoga Nidra teacher and author, Tracy Stanley. All right, welcome, Tracy. Thanks for being on the Yoga Magic Podcast. I'm so excited to chat today. Thank you for having me, Ashley. Excited My to be My pleasure, here. yeah. So it's funny that we're talking about rest and all the, all the amazing insight that you have into this because I feel like this time of the year, after summer has sort of like closed out, I I personally just crave a little bit of rest right now, or maybe a lot, and slowing down. And this is just really a good time for listeners to be reminded of the importance of this. So thanks. Yeah, I, I think it it completely makes sense that you're feeling uh, the slowing down of things because naturally we want to kind of follow the cycles of nature, right? And if right, we're right. in the Northern Hemisphere, things are starting to, the leaves are starting to turn, the leaves are going to be dropping off of the trees pretty soon, everything is start starting to go fallow, the bears are even going to be hibernating at some point yeah. soon. <laughs> and so there, there is this natural rhythm within us that wants to follow this idea of being able to slow down and to mm-hmm. rest and rejuvenate and restore ourselves from all of the activity that we had from the spring and summer. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're sharing that because I think it's just a real reflection of how we are naturally, but those things get overridden, right? Exactly. Of yeah. society and the culture that tells us to keep going and keep doing and that you can't slow down. And if you do slow down, you're going to miss out or you're going to fall behind in some way. And I think that one of the things we need to reclaim is that our our power um, to really give ourselves intentional rest and intentional periods of slowing down without feeling any kind of shame or like we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm already getting goosebumps thinking about this because you're you're so right at that that pressure at this morning. Even we're like trying to get out the door. It's picture day, and we're just like everyone's a little bit sleepy, and we're like just let's go. And yet, you know, sometimes the body's saying, it's okay, you can slow down. I'm so curious, like what, what sparked your interest in rest? What brought you to being someone who can speak, you know, so eloquently about something that is hard for a lot of us to truly, you know, commit to? Mm, That's a great question. So, you know, what I would say is about 20 years ago or so, Um, I, at that time, was a Hollywood film producer and was producing lots of A-list movies with big action stars. And I was also practicing yoga, thank goodness. Yoga was (laughs) the thing that allowed me to stay balanced. And I was introduced to this practice called Yoga Nidra. And this practice of Yoga Nidra is translated a lot of times as the yoga of sleep. But it's a lot more than that because it's really this place of being able to hover in the in-between space between being awake and being asleep and allowing yourself to receive instructions that are usually being guided by uh, a teacher that allow you to systematically relax the body. And so most of the time when we hear yoga nidra, what we're really talking about is more the technique of yoga nidra. And the idea of a deeper understanding of yoga nidra is that it guides you to this state of consciousness that is beyond the waking, beyond the dreaming, beyond the deep sleep, and moving more towards this place that is like a void, a place of 
pure, spacious awareness. And sometimes we get to rest in that place, even Mm -hmm. if it's just for a moment. But the practice of yoga nidra is just so rejuvenating and it's so restoring that a lot of people love to do this practice, not only as a way to kind of touch a deeper part of their spiritual selves, um, but to restore their um, their rest and to reclaim this idea of being able to kind of sit with themselves and to remember a part of themselves that is always at rest. And I think that that's something that the overculture is doing to us where you just described this idea of what I felt as urgency, right? Like getting the mm-hmm. kids ready for the picture day and then getting everybody out of the house and making sure they don't spill anything on their clothes before the <laughs> pictures get taken. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, and then after that, it, after they leave the house and they're on their way to school, the urgency still stays in the body. I know. Right. And that's the thing that I think is like, how can we pause this urgency? Because it's not needed all the time, but how it it seems to be the, you know, default operating system Mm -hmm. that's happening. And so when we practice intentional rest or we practice yoga nidra, we actually are allowing ourselves to get still enough and pause long enough to notice that oh, there is this urgency maybe that's running through the body. Can I begin to soften? Can I begin to let this go? Is there something else underneath this? What are the things that I have inherited from my ancestors and from my lineage about what I believe about rest, about what I believe about my deservability to have rest? And then we get to start to unravel some things when we start to get deeper into this practice. And really the practice of yoga nidra is a revealing practice. It reveals that part of you that is always at rest. It reveals maybe some stories or some trauma that we need to work on, that we need to be with a therapist to kind of help to heal. Mm-hmm. And it really helps us to um, look at these negative thought constructs that we have around our worthiness. I've heard, you know, People talk about the biophysical benefits. Andrew Huberman, actually, he he loves it and talks about you know, non-sleep, deep rest, and yoga nidra being one of those amazing practices. And and I love how you speak to the spiritual side of this as well. So it's it's all of these things at once. And I'm curious, how does someone work it into their busy schedule like we're talking about like how do you implement it throughout the day how do people that you teach this to like when are they doing this i love this question because it varies for everyone right right and right. i think that one of the things that we often think about is oh if i'm practicing yoga or if i really want to dedicate myself to this practice i need to set aside an hour a day or right 25 minutes a day. And that's not possible for everyone. And so what I like to do is kind of offer a reframe of this idea of what I call the householder's flow, which is that (laughs) most of us, or the people I know anyway, are householders. We all have responsibilities. We have jobs. We have families. And we have to look for the little spaces, the little transitions in the in-between times to find five minutes or 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, 
in order to weave these practices throughout the day as opposed to only having one period of time where we practice yoga. Yoga is a lifestyle. Yoga is about a life as a ritual. Yoga is either with you or it's not. And it's really about your, your intention. Um, and so these practices of, of rest, intentional rest and yoga nidra can be done in very small increments of time. But mm-hmm. I think the, the biggest thing that I ask my uh, clients and people that I mentor and teach is to look at all the places where you have distraction, right? Because the, this is what the overculture wants is to distract us and pull us away from what is life affirming, what is bringing abundance, what is bringing worthiness to us. So if anybody who might be listening right now just takes a moment to consider, what is it that I waste time doing? How am I filling all the pauses, all the free time with habitual actions that are not intentional? You know, something really habitual that I think we all do is when we have a moment of, of what could be pause and ease, we pick up the phone and we start looking at, you know, whatever we're looking at that might not even be necessary. So looking at the, the habits that we have, the rituals that we have that are unconscious, and replacing those with rituals that are going to be life-affirming for us. Mm-hmm. And rest is one of those life-affirming rituals. And if we reframe into thinking, well, I need to have X, Y, and Z ready in order to do a practice. And instead, I can just lie down on my bed or anywhere on the floor on my yoga mat that's already set out on, in my yoga nidra nest. And I can just count backwards from 108 to zero. And each time I count backwards, I just allow a little bit more of thought and constriction and tension in my body to release. And then I allow myself to lie there after I finish that counting down for a minute or two, just resting. And let that be my rest practice for the day. And if I happen to have another five or 10 minutes extra while I'm waiting for the kids to come out of school and I'm sitting in the line in the car, I can close my eyes and I can recline my chair and I can listen to a short yoga nidra practice Mm -hmm. while I'm Mm -hmm. there. So once you start thinking about things in that way, like where are the transitions that I previously was filling with something that's not life affirming and not healing for me? You start to then see all these opportunities during the day that you would have normally missed. Yes. It's it's funny because I work in, in health and wellness. I get to talk to people a lot about their nervous system, about what stress feels like in their body. And it's funny, even myself, I've recently felt like, I wonder if I have like undiagnosed ADHD because I am just, I cannot focus. I'm kind of like thinking about like wanting to multitask and do all these things. And what you're speaking to I think, you know, again, on a personal level is exactly it. It's that like that need to reach for the phone when you have five seconds of rest. And in fact, doing something like yoga nidra or just resting for a second makes such a big difference. 
Yeah, that's profound. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I, I really think that we all could use the reframe. And, and as we go through the rest of our day, if you're listening to this, look at all the places that I call like the transitions, the in-between space. So w- what happens between the moment that the kids walk out the door and the moment that you do the next thing? And what is the next thing that you choose to do? And how can you start to expand that space of the transition? One of the things that does happen when you start to embrace intentional rest and practices like yoga nidra, and by the way, uh, non-sleep deep rest is yoga nidra. Mm -hmm, The practices mm -hmm. are the same. Love Andrew Huberman. Mm -hmm. But our relationship with time and space starts to shift. That that five minutes that maybe a couple of weeks ago before you started practicing intentional rest seemed like it went by like that. Now, all of a sudden, that five minutes, you're really experiencing that five minutes as spaciousness, as expansiveness. And you realize how long five minutes really is. Mm-hmm. Right? And so five minutes of rest is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And if you take another five minutes of rest and then another five minutes of rest during the day, before you know it, you've had 15 minutes of space and time. And if you wear any kind of uh, device like an aura ring, you can see that just that five minutes of rest starts to shift what they would call like your readiness score. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because it shows you, oh, you, you rested for five minutes. And this is actually life affirming. You're getting Mm -hmm. the biometrics, whether it's the aura ring or the watch or whatever you have, or if it's your own knowing, your own internal system that tells you, oh, I feel so much more alive so much more light, so much more free just by taking five minutes of rest a couple of times a day. You had mentioned the self-guided version of counting backwards and then also a guided version. So if someone were to start doing this, where would they, where would they go to start that? I think what I would do is to begin with a guided version. I think the guided okay. version is is easier because sometimes we just aren't sure of like, oh, what do I do? How does it work? Right. And once you hear the guided version, you you find someone who's you like the sound of their voice, you find the one that has the right timing for you. So maybe five or ten minutes of a rest or um, deep relaxation practice, right? And then you start to listen to that. And eventually what happens is you start to kind of know the steps. And so (laughs) when you are in the car waiting for the kids or you are, you know, um, sitting at the doctor's office with eyes closed, (laughs) waiting for something, whatever it is, you can lead yourself through those steps. You can lead yourself through the step of, first of all, bringing your awareness inward that's already going to change your brainwave state. The moment you bring your awareness inward and you close your eyes, you're moving from a state of beta towards something that's more alpha, right? Because mm-hmm. your awareness is moving inward. Now you can start to notice the 
quality of your breath, you can notice that the body is breathing, right? And when I say that the body is breathing, it really means that there's nothing that you need to do. This is your birthright to be able to receive the breath. So you can allow the body to sort of soften and receive the breath instead of feeling like you have to take and extract the breath. Mm. Let the breath come to you and let it be a source of gratitude for you and let your yourself release without the tension of wondering if the next breath is going to come in, Right. And then mm-hmm. you can just start to systematically soften areas of the body, you know, softening the forehead, the eyebrows, the eyes, feeling the jaw, the shoulders, just relax. And then just start to notice that when the body is breathing, that the navel is rising and falling on its own. And you can just watch the rise and fall of the navel. And that's what we call kind of diaphragmatic breathing. And that brings you into a deeper state of relaxation. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that the guide might ask you to do. But if you can, in all of this, notice that you are being held by the earth beneath you. That the earth is holding you, that there's parts of your body that are connected to the earth or connected to the support underneath you, which is then supported by the earth. And then if you can feel that, and have gratitude for that and feel if there's a more of an allowing that happens in your body. And when you do that, you actually begin to notice that the earth rises up to hold you as the body breathes in. And as the body breathes out, you can soften into that hold and that your breath and the breath of the earth is actually one and that you can feel yourself being connected to that just by allowing yourself to be held. And it's in that allowing that I feel the awakening and the spaciousness and the awareness starts to um, just be revealed to us as something different happens. It's a surrender, definitely, yeah. So what happens if you fall asleep? <laughs> well, my, my theory really is that when you're beginning in this practice, if you fall asleep, you probably need, need to rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. system needs to rest. As you're practicing more yoga nidra, um, you eventually learn to hover in this space where perhaps you even hear your body snoring. Have you ever been in Shavasana <gasps> yes. and heard yourself yes. snoring, right? Okay. So maybe not so- Shavasana, but I can fall asleep really fast and I, I can like feel myself half asleep Maybe I am asleep, but I like am aware enough to know it's kind of wild. <laughs> exactly. So it's, you know, it's often described yoga nidra as sleep with a trace of awareness mm-hmm. or conscious sleep, right? Um, and so a lot of times I- I've had students who have said, oh, I've been in Shavasana and I've heard the person next to me snoring. And I've been like, wow, I can't believe that person's snoring. They fell asleep. And then they realize, oh no, that's me snoring. That's me <laughs> Yeah. How is it possible that I'm snoring and I'm still aware that I'm hearing the snoring? Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is that place between this being awake and being asleep and being conscious where consciousness is still there. Mm. So if you fall asleep, what I like to do is just 
consciously say to myself when I feel that almost like you're going down the elevator and you feel like, oh, I'm getting to that place where it feels like the hypnagogic state, that in-between space. I just say to myself, if I'm practicing yoga nidra, oh, the practice is now complete. Now I'm going to rest and allow myself to fall asleep. And then I just allow myself to fall asleep. And if I'm practicing intentional rest, then it's totally fine to fall asleep. That's the the goal is to is to fall asleep. And if you're worried about, oh, I only have 10 minutes or I only have 15 minutes, you just set a timer. And eventually you will know your body will start to understand time and space more, like I spoke about before. Be more in tune to your internal clock, and you'll know when 15 minutes is done and mm-hmm. when the rest is is complete. Yep. Yep. It's and we know too that sleep cycles are, you know, if we can have somewhere between like a 15 and a 20 minute nap, it's extremely rejuvenating and it it prevents your body from getting into that super deep rest where you feel groggy. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm a big fan of the power naps. Um, and now I don't, like you said, I, I'm surprised this has happened. I won't even set an alarm anymore. My body will just kind of wake up. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a part of you that knows Right there's a part of you that that knows that there's uh, there's a part of you. Let's just say that it knows and it's always conscious. It's always awake. Yeah. Anybody mm-hmm. who has kids knows this, right? It's like there's a part <laughs> of your brain that is always listening <laughs> always, and always, always has the 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 radar out. That same part of you is the one that always knows the time, that always knows mm-hmm. when it's really time to rest. Hmm. And if we start to tune into that more from a a place of sacredness and devotion, let me listen to that place of inside of me that knows that is always listening. What else is it hearing other than the kids fighting in the other room? Mm-hmm. What else can I learn from that part of myself? Mm. I want to shift a little um, with your new book. You've talked in your your book title. It, it struck me around. This idea of remembrance, self-remembrance. And I'm curious, you know, can you share a little bit more about what that means? Like what it means to remember oneself? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that I would say is that yoga practice, one of the things that yoga practice is for is for smirti. Smirti is this idea of retention, memory. And of course, when we hear the word smirti or we think of memory and retention, we're thinking like, oh, I'm going to have a great memory. I can remember all these things. And this idea of smarana, which the root word of smarana, which is self-remembrance or remembrance, is smirti. So everything that we do in yoga is about bringing us back to that remembrance of the self with a capital S mm. of the true self. Right. And so mm-hmm. for me, when I think about the luminous self or when I think about the self remembrance, I think about this question that was asked by Sri Ramana Maharshi, who was a, a great sage uh, that lived in this century um, that talked about this idea of the question, who am I? 
And this was a question that he asked himself over and over again when he thought he was going to die as a teenager. And what he was asking was, who am I? What is it that's going to die? What is it that is going to be remaining? And so on and so on. This was going on for, for hours and hours and hours. And this his whole teaching is about this idea of self-inquiry of the who am I. And this asking of the who am I is really this way of really dissolving the ego into getting to the true self where there are no other desires that really come mm-hmm. forward other than to know the true self. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that, you know, obviously if we're living in a cave, that's a lot easier. I was just going to say, like you had mentioned our householder yeah. vibe. It's true. And why your book is so helpful because you give us real tools. Like how does one do this now? Right. And, the, and these are the tools that I'm hoping that are going to be helpful because they've been helpful for me. I've been teaching for a very long time, a couple of decades plus, and they've been very helpful for people that I've worked with, right? Is that I always think about my yoga practice as if I look at, at it in retrospect, that it was like and continues to be a revealing like all I've I received beautiful practices from amazing teachers who were very skilled and those practices were like peeling the layers of of an onion mm-hmm. you know and in a gentle way and sometimes there were things that I needed to face that were uncomfortable but they always led to deeper awareness deeper joy deeper happiness and deeper understanding of myself can you um, talk about some of the tools, or maybe I, I want people to to go get the book and dive into them more. But you have, you have a, a good list of tools that you use for self inquiry. Which what do you like to use? Yeah, I mean, I think that first of all, there's there's tools around um, contemplating impermanence, which I think is really important in any spiritual practice. Anybody who has a garden. I say this all the time, Mm. knows that there are cycles to things Mm -hmm. and that we have to accept when things die and seemingly don't come back or come back in another form, right? (laughs) (laughs) We, you know, we just have to, we have to accept it. And so, uh, you know, really contemplating impermanence, there's a number of practices around that. There are lots of self-inquiry questions and prompts for people to journal about after the practices. I have found over the years that I've been practicing is that free writing is a really powerful practice. Self-inquiry is a really powerful Mm -hmm. practice to do right after practices, whether it's Mm -hmm. a yoga practice or yoga nidra, because the mind is spacious. And we have much more connection to our inner knowing and to our inner truth than we do when we're just in the hustle and bustle, right, of the day. Mm -hmm. So those practices are really helpful. Um, There are nature practices that are meant to give you a deeper connection to nature and to really be able to kind of tune into the wisdom that nature 
gives us in every moment. Um, and those practices are inspired by stories of the sage Dattatreya, who said that he had 24 gurus and that all of his gurus were aspects of nature. And he talked about what he learned from each one of these aspects. So I try to encourage people to kind of become aware of their natural environment and what beings and plants and trees are in their environment and how they can incorporate those beings as teachers in their own yoga practice without mm -hmm. ever needing to go and retreat or to some remote place. The one that I was really curious about were the dream rituals. Can you share a little bit about those? Yeah. So um, I definitely would love to know why you're curious about the dream rituals. Are you a dreamer? <laughs> I mean, you know, Tracy, that's a good question. I not really. I, I always say this, people that listen to the show regularly know that I dream exclusively of high school, which is very funny because I don't really have any ties there. <laughs> and um, I, I know the power of, of dreams. And I also know that there's, it's so complicated, right? That there's, there really don't, there's no sense to them. And that's the point. So I just haven't done a lot of work there. And I think maybe I want to. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds to me like the dream realm is calling you. <laughs> Maybe. I think yeah. it is. Yeah. So dreams are a, another portal to wisdom. Mm -hmm. Dreams are another way of knowing. And this is something that indigenous cultures have known for millennia. But for whatever reason, because I think our minds always want to try to figure something out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then it makes sense of it. Right. And it has to make sense and it has to be a meaning and it has to be a meaning that we understand intellectually. And mm -hmm. so when we start to tune into these places that are within us that have uh, a different source of knowing that are not necessarily connected to the mind, but more connected to the heart then we start to kind of let go of, oh, I need to understand, or I saw a fox in my dream and now I have to go look up the meaning of the fox. Right. <laughs> right. Because if you look up the meaning, it's going to be different in five different places. Right. It's going to be different because everyone who is sharing that wisdom has a different culture that they're pulling from, mm -hmm. right? Every person has a different level of consciousness, a different level of awareness. And so if we can, first of all, start to learn to really um, honor that space of the dream, which I think the first, one of the first steps, and other people might say something different, but to honor that space is to go into the space knowing as you're going to go to sleep and asking, I would like to dream tonight. I would like yeah. to receive maybe a message in my dream tonight. Something that is going to help me with X, Y, and Z tonight. Mm -hmm. And you place that in your heart. And then you, visual, you can visualize a full moon at the throat center. Because the, the throat center is our dreaming center. It's connected mm -hmm. to the, the dream. And you can visualize a full bright moon there. There's other, there's practices in the book that you can do. And then having a dream journal is really important, mm -hmm. right? Because what happens usually, at least for me, is that if I'm not there to translate that dream with my dream journal 
in the morning, then a lot of times it's gone. It's gone. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you talked about this place where sometimes you feel like you're in the in-between. We talked about Mm -hmm. that hypnagogic state. And there is this place of the hypnopompic state, which is the space between being asleep and being awake, right? So when you don't set an alarm clock, and this is why in Radiant Rest I actually have, and I actually have it here in the Luminous Self as well, the practice of learning to set a mental alarm clock right? When you don't have an alarm clock and you set a mental alarm clock, your body knows, okay, it's 7 a.m. This is when I need to wake up. And so you get to wake up without the urgency of the alarm that Mm -hmm. jolts you out of and causes you to miss that sweetness of that place of hovering. And in that place of hovering, you can become aware of, oh, what what was my dream last night? Let me just pull one little thread, whether it's a color or an image or a word or a person that appeared in that dream. And then let me go to my journal and start to write about that. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't remember, well, so-and-so was in my dream or I dreamt about high school. (laughs) And just see if little pieces start to come back to you. And the more Mm -hmm. that you do that, and that's why I offer this nine-day dream sadhana practice in the book, um, sadhana is, is devoted practice. And so anytime you do something, or at least for, in my experience, anytime I do something consistently with devotion and intention, things start to blossom in the practice. Mm-hmm. So what I offer is a nine-day dream sadhana practice that people can do and commit to, devote themselves to for nine days. And then see what happens in that nine days, how your dreams start to expand. If you start to practice yoga nidra, you probably will start to notice that your dreams are becoming more vivid. Mm -hmm. Some people even start to notice that their dreams may become lucid, that they Mm -hmm. actually really become conscious in their dreams and then are notice that they're able to start controlling um, what happens in the dream. And that's just another kind of level. I see you smiling there, Ashley. You're like, yes, I want the lucid dream. I felt I it. want to lucid. it. <laughs> My Capricorn moon is like, girl, you are trying to perfect this and you can't. <laughs> you know? like, oh man, it's, it's just so intriguing to me. And, and yet like in practice, it's, I find it difficult, but I also, I, you know, talk with clients and other people as well that like they can, this is very second nature for them. Um, and I, I just think it's such a personal journey. So I'm, I love to hear your recommendation for it and that it, it doesn't, you just remember what you can remember, you know, yeah. when you wake so, up. Yeah. It's not because there are people who are very detailed with their dreams. Yeah. They can tell you I was wearing a blue dress and I was in this place and it looked like this. <laughs> And so then we get this idea, right? And this happens because of culture and the competition and comparison that we're always doing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, how come I'm not seeing that? How come I'm not? Right. No, all you need is, is, is a thread. Maybe you even smelled a fragrance or you saw something in the dream. That's all you need to pull forward. Mm-hmm. And just keep that in your awareness during the day. And maybe some more things will come. Maybe they won't. But then you go into the next practice, do the same thing the next night, know that you have your dream journal and let go of, if you can, 
the the need to get it right, right? We don't, there is no getting it right. This is a sacred practice that's really personal. And it's really a way to weave your practice through a 24-hour period. You know, people who are really into dreaming, um, they call this the night school, right? It's the night sadhana. It's the way to, to weave practice through 24 hours. I mean, there's so many things you can do in the space of dreaming and sleeping. Um, so, yeah, and I have in the back of the book, um, there is a list of resources. Um, so if there's any subject in the book, whether it's the mind mapping or chakras or ancestors or dreams or yoga nidra, there's other uh, recommended resources that I list in the book for the people that I've studied with or books that I've read that have been really um, powerful. So take advantage of those if you want to go yeah. into a deep dive. It's a great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be my next project here, Tracy. You're inspiring me. <laughs> like, yeah, I could feel and it. And I like I'm it's like, nine <laughs> days. You know, it's succinct. Yeah. yeah. It's a succinct time. And I think you, you're a dreamer is um, being awakened right now. I love it. It's there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm out there and I'm ready to do more things. And, you know, this is – I always laugh because – the timing of podcast guests are it's it's so divinely timed, right? Like you and I, I think we were scheduled for a different day, and like honestly, this was so perfect. This was so perfect. The timing was great, and and sometimes I forget that until I hop back on the microphone, and I'm like, no, this is this is meant to be. And so I hope that listeners feel the same. That like, yeah, it's you know, rest. We need to come back to that if we're feeling that Virgo frazzle, Virgo season right now, which I think a lot of us are. This your book, you know, both of your books are really going to be a great place to come back to. Um, can you tell listeners where to find those and also kind of some fun things that you have coming up? Yeah, I would love to. I also want to mention that with both books, so Radiant Rest has uh, six yoga nidra practices that are downloadable. So when you buy the book and you go to the how to use the book section, um, there's a link there that you can go to to get the practices. And same with the Luminous Self. The Luminous Self actually has eight practices um, that are downloadable. Um, so you could be practicing literally right away once you get the book. Um, what I have coming up, I have some really fun things. So I have a rest, dream, and play retreat that's happening in Costa Rica in April of next year. Mm. And it's happening at this beautiful place in Santa Elena, uh, Costa Rica. It's gorgeous. And I'm co-teaching it with my dear friend, um, who's a dream expert and an artist. Her name is Chanti Takarante Perez. And we co-teach a lot of things together. Um, I'm also doing something with Wonderlust in December in Mexico. And I'm also tr uh, teaching a little rest retreat at the Modern Elder Academy uh, in Baja, uh, and that's happening in February of 2024. And you can find mm. out all the things on my website. I have a lot of offerings and places to, to rest with me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful that we've been connected and I really, really enjoyed this, this conversation. Tracy, thank you for your time today. This was beautiful. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's an honor to be here. 
Thanks so much for tuning in today, everyone. Thanks to Tracy for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, maybe share it with a friend, send them a DM on Instagram or write a review. I appreciate it so, so much. If you want to learn more, you can follow us at Yoga Magic Podcast and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much, everyone.